Super Talk Mississippi media production. What is Moondog? Moondog Makers and Bakers is not just a catering company. It's blended tradition with innovation and something familiar just done differently. To get a taste of what they're truly all about, you can order some awesome merch, crafted spice blends, or request catering for your very own event. MoondogMakersandBakers.com. little early start on this Sunday morning. Glad that you guys are with me. Going noteless today. Uh, didn't realize uh, I was running out of time. I promised you by 8 o'clock I would do this, and 8 o'clock came, and I didn't uh, didn't have any notes yet ready. So we're just going to we're gonna wing it this morning, and that's okay. Uh, glad you guys are with me, though. This is a little throwback to the, uh, the now-defunct Sunday radio show that doesn't exist anymore. Started at 8 a.m. every Sunday morning. And uh, so, yeah, I kind of feel like I'm doing the same thing, but I, I am glad that you guys are with me. Uh, nonetheless, my name is Michael Borky, if you're joining for the first time. And uh, if you're watching on Twitter, you will not be able to comment, or I, at least I will not be able to do this with your comments because I uh, I will not be able to see them even if you can. So if you want to comment and be a part of this, I'd love to have you, just like Zach here. Uh, but you got to do it on YouTube or Facebook. So find me on either one, Michael Borky on YouTube. And uh, subscribe there and uh, join in there, and, and you can comment as well as uh, on my Facebook page. But Twitter, for whatever reason, you uh, you can't do it. I don't know why. But anyway, uh, don't forget also to follow on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Just my name. Not very creative with names. And wherever you get your podcast, Mike in the Morning, or my name should turn up results and subscribe there. We're talking State's big win over Texas A&M. Ole Miss getting humbled a little bit, uh, more than a little bit, getting humbled in Tuscaloosa, and man, college football was great yesterday. I will start with this. I want to circle back to this. Uh, Forgive me for kind of saying what the press secretary does, but I want to circle back to the state of college football right now. And I've already had the parody conversation with you guys, so I don't want to do that again. But I'm talking about two teams in particular that could ruin this thing for everyone. And I'm talking about BYU, and I'm talking about Cincinnati. BYU in Cincinnati. All this stuff that the Alliance is doing with the playoff and like trying to delay playoff expansion and all that crap. uh, BYU and Cincinnati are going to change their minds because BYU has three Pac-12 wins already this year. And with that, I don't know their schedule by heart, but I know they have a couple more Power 5 games on their schedule. But BYU is going to be favored in every game from here on out. We know college football, it's tough to go undefeated. But even just one of these two teams doing this is enough. And then Cincinnati went to Notre Dame yesterday and beat Notre Dame in South Bend. And they're going to be favored now in every game remaining on their schedule. Tell me how you can leave them out if they go undefeated. Maybe they will. I don't know. I'm just saying that this idea that the Alliance, the ACC, and the Pac-12 and the Big Ten are dragging their feet on playoff expansion and they don't want it and all that stuff, let Cincinnati make the college football playoff. Let them make the college football playoff and then tell me they're going to keep dragging their feet on expansion. So anyway, that was cool to see yesterday, honestly. Uh, So we've got a lot to talk about this morning, but I I will just – 
I'll let you guys comment first and talk about what you guys want to talk about, and then I'll get into the games uh, themselves from a more like direct analytical standpoint, if you will. But big win for State yesterday. I had a good weekend from the prognostication standpoint. I picked State to win. I picked Georgia to blow out Arkansas. And yes, I thought Ole Miss had a chance yesterday going into the game. I'm not going to try to spin it and say I didn't, but I did talk about all week that I was I was trying to caution Ole Miss fans about what you know the reaction should be if you don't match up because the roster, especially defensively, was not ready to win a game like this. Uh, but they didn't play well yesterday, at least not in the beginning. And um, I've got some numbers, by the way, on the fourth down decisions. A lot of people are criticizing, well, why didn't you punt there? Um, It was the right decision. Not punting to Alabama is the right decision. And the numbers actually back that up. So I'll show those to you guys um, later as well. Uh, But Zach says, man, on top of everything, it was raining at at the Vandy-UConn game. I'll be honest with you. I was at a wedding yesterday. I didn't watch a second of Vanderbilt-UConn. Not one second. But I did see Vanderbilt won. And... This sounds silly. Like when you say, well, that team plays hard, you should play hard. You're playing college football. You should always play hard. But the fact that UConn is as bad as they are, their coach resigned, got fired, quit, whatever you want to call it. Uh, It's a bad football team. They're 0-6 or whatever, and they're still playing their tails off. I I admire that. When a team is bad, when all of their assistants, they they know they're getting fired at the end of this year. Everything is just a complete disaster. And yet they keep playing hard. I admire that. If your circumstances suck, if your team sucks, and you still give it all you got, that that's high character stuff. And I love to see stuff like that, even though they did lose to Vanderbilt yesterday. Will says, hey, Bork, big win last night. Yeah, man. That's the formula. That's the formula for state winning games this year. Will Rogers was very efficient yesterday. Threw the ball downfield a little bit more, especially early, a little bit more. Uh, but still... They weren't particularly explosive last night, but that's splitting hairs. It doesn't matter. That's the formula for state winning games. We've talked about it every week this season. We said it after the NC State game. We're saying it after this one. It's efficient offense. That's just what they're going to be this year. They're going to have to be efficient, and they're not going to be particularly explosive, although the passing numbers, the yards are great. Like This is a winning formula for Mississippi State. The way they played last night, because the biggest number, They didn't turn the football over. They didn't turn the football over. That's how you're going to win games for State. That's how they're going to beat Kentucky. They've got wins left on their schedule. This should be a bowl team for State. And last night's win really showed you what they can be if they play clean football. They protected Rodgers pretty well. I think only three sacks in the game. That's a really, really talented. Oh, oh, I did not get Kentucky-Florida right. You're right, Chris. I did not get that one right. But otherwise, I, I had a pretty good feel for what was going to happen this weekend, I think. Um, how about that, right? But that that's the winning formula for State, is what happened last night. Defense, efficiency, clean football. They protected Rodgers. He was efficient. He didn't make mistakes. That's the way they're going to win football games this year. It's that simple. And they showed you last night what they can be. I mean, you know, uh, an optimist would say they should be, hell, they should be undefeated. Um, A pessimist would say, well, they should have lost to Louisiana Tech as well. Whatever. Um, This is a winning formula for State this season. Efficiency, protecting Will Rogers, good defense. 
when they play clean football, they can beat everybody but Alabama on their schedule when they play clean football. Nobody's beating Alabama in the West. Uh, you know, Nick Saban's inevitable. We have now learned that yet again. Uh, but they can beat everybody remaining on their schedule. They absolutely can if they play clean like they did last night. Not that many penalties either. They had some, but not many. Uh, I think, uh, here, I've actually got the box score. Why don't, why don't I just tell you myself? Um, but none of them were were crushing or, or outstanding. You know what I mean? It, it was just, you're going to have penalties through the course of a football game unless you're Alabama. Uh, seven for 65. It's fine. It's fine. I mean, there are still a couple of things that you want to clean up there, sure. But uh, they weren't like the the game-killing penalties like you had against LSU just last week. So it was a very, very, very good, clean game, relatively speaking. You're never going to play perfect for State. And look at what happened when they played like that. They won a big game on the road. Against a talented Texas A&M team, I'm not going to do the the hindsight thing. I don't like doing it. I mean, I'm sure sometimes I fall into the trap, but um, regardless of their quarterback situation, Regardless of the quarterback situation, uh, Texas A&M is an extremely talented team. They are bad relative to the expectations that we had for them going into the season. I thought that this Texas A&M team was going to compete for the college football playoff. What an idiot I am. But that doesn't mean that they're still not extremely talented. And Calzada was fine last night. They didn't really ask him to do a whole lot. Isaiah Spiller's an objectively great running back. They... I mean, they ran the football pretty well against State, but that's really all they had. Uh, He deserves more than 16 carries in a game. That's on Jimbo. But I'm not going to sit here and say, well, now we know A&M sucks. I I didn't do that after NC State. I'm not doing it now. I hate when people do that. Well, the only one because this. Now, stop. Uh, A&M's a talented football team, regardless of who their quarterback is, and maybe they're underachieving relative to expectations. No maybe about it. They're underachieving relative to expectations. You don't just go to College Station and just win comfortably all the time. You don't just beat teams that are this talented all the time. It's a good win. It's a very big win. And the the fans that were still keeping their optimism after uh, after the LSU game, you guys were rewarded with a really good performance. Uh, from uh, from your team last night. I do want to toot my own horn, though. You know, I, it's easy for me to do this because I can pick and choose what of my past takes that I, that I want to highlight for you guys. I, I'm aware of this. I know what this does. But uh, I said on Twitter on the 28th, I don't remember what day that was, but that was five days ago. Um, I've talked myself into thinking State goes into College Station and beats A&M. Am I crazy? Proof in the pudding. Nailed it. You guys can't see that very well. Doesn't matter. Uh, don't go back and listen to other things that I said this week. Just that in particular. All right, Just that that one thing. Um, nailed that. But that, uh, yes, that that's a, a good, solid, big win uh, for their chances at, at playing in the postseason, having a winning record, building in year two. Uh, Offense still leaves some desire, uh, leaves some, let me just start over. There's some left to be desired in the offense in terms of explosiveness, but it doesn't matter right now when it's efficient. And when Rodgers took, he took a few more chances yesterday down the field uh, than he has this season. A little bit more open, but when it's this efficient 
and they protect him well, these are your results. These are your results. This is winning football. Is it going to beat Alabama? No, but did any did did you expect to beat Alabama in year two? I, I would hope not. But can it beat Kentucky? Yeah. Can it beat Auburn? Yeah. Can it beat Ole Miss? It can. Yeah. It, it can. Hell. I mean, who knows? It can beat Arkansas. With, whew, poor Arkansas. But yeah, it can. It can win all of these games. Clean football. Good defense. Efficiency that can win these games. Will it be pretty all the time? No, but if you just play clean, these are the results you get. If you play clean, you beat LSU. If you play clean, you beat Memphis. And we're having, I mean, think about, I hate to do this, but, but think about what it would be like if they just played clean, mistake free football against LSU and Memphis. Top 10 state team right now, possibly. They're close. They are close. Uh, really good day, though. Just a really, really, really good day for State. There's no other way of spinning it. Just a really, really, really good day. Um, they're back on track. They're back on track, no doubt. This kind of like balances out the Memphis win. I think going into the season, you kind of thought that A&M and College Station was going to be a loss, but Memphis in Memphis was going to be a win. So they kind of balanced each other out. Back on schedule, if you will. Chris says, Corral is still very good. His stats were as good as Young's. Yeah, you know, I I did see some people do the whole, well, we know that Matt Corral's not good against good team stuff yesterday. And uh, one, I don't think he played poorly at all. Uh, but two, uh, are we really going to ignore when we've seen him play well against good teams? I mean, holy crap. Alabama won the national championship last year. Go look at the numbers that he put up against Alabama a year ago and Florida a year ago. Uh, just because it wasn't explosive yesterday doesn't mean he played poorly. Uh, the issue with yesterday was not on Corral. Matt Corral yesterday told me still that he is everything that you should have thought he was. I still think he is an early first-round pick in the draft. I still think he's the best draft-eligible quarterback in America. I, I still believe that. And if you don't, after watching yesterday, I don't know what you were watching. Because how the hell... Can you play quarterback when your offensive line is getting beat up the way they did? That's the issue yesterday. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you can argue the fourth down play calling. I'll, I'll show you why it was the right move. Uh, also, just my opinion on why I think the fourth down stuff is the right move in this particular game. Uh, you can question, and I question personnel when you're going for it on fourth and short. Why is Snoop Connor not getting that carry your most physical back? I, I don't understand that. Uh, He's underutilized. He's underutilized. Um, but what can you do schematically when your front five is getting abused the way Ole Miss's was yesterday? Corral had no time, uh, no time at all um, to, to operate yesterday. And it still looked good. Uh, everything that you think uh, or you thought about Corral going into that game is still true. And if that's not the case, if you think anything other than that, then you you didn't watch the game with clear eyes. It's really that simple. He is everything that I and everybody thought about him going into it. And if you've changed your mind about him after that game, you you were looking for a reason instead of watching uh, what happened in front of you. I, I hate the hindsight stuff, man. Um if you watched that game and thought Corral stinks, then you don't know what you're watching. 
I, I don't mean to be that harsh. You know, it's Sunday morning. The vibe should be good and laid back, but I, I hate when people do that. It, completely ignoring the sample size we have on him anyway. And it, it's almost like, like Malik Willis, for example. I think Malik Wills is good. I'm not as impressed with him as pro football focuses. But like when they play Ole Miss later this year and it, he's running for his life, people are like, oh, see, Willis sucks. It's like it, it there's more to playing quarterback than just what you do. Five people in front of you have to protect you. Your receivers have to get open and they also have to catch the football when you distribute it to them. I mean, every time Corral took a snap, he was on the move. Honestly, I thought I was I was really impressed by his ability to escape pressure at times. I mean, my gosh, it, it his front five got absolutely freaking abused yesterday. What do you want him to do? I, I just I don't understand it. Didn't make a single mistake throw yesterday. I, I, I don't know. I, I just people people were actively seeking. I think reasons to hate on him, and yesterday nobody was given any reason to hate on him. So they just do it anyway. Well, they didn't They didn't score. Well, yeah. What quarterback in America could score with Ole Miss's front five the way they played yesterday against Bama's front? Uh, tell me what quarterback in college football would have fared better in that situation. T- please. I-, I would love to know what guy would have done better with that mismatch yesterday. <laughs> Patrick says he doesn't, know, doesn't even know where to start, but the offensive line got exposed. Yeah, that, that group. Uh, it's just not good. I mean, they've kind of struggled at, at times all season, but they have so much experience. Like, I'm I'm kind of shocked by how bad they were yesterday. It's just brutal. And, and well, Kiffin called a bad game. You can question some personnel decisions, like I said. I don't understand why Snoop Connor is not more involved, especially early in games in short yardage situations. But as a play caller, what can you do? And please, please tell me if I'm missing something, what a play caller can do when you are getting abused like that up front. What else can you do? What can you do? Um, Zach says, hey, I've got every single pick wrong except for State. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, the uh, – the pick game for uh, for Hayden has not gone well the last couple of years so far anyway. But, hey, he got the most important one, right? Zach says, Arkansas killed me. Game could have been so much more competitive if they, if they didn't start their first two drives within their own 10-yard line. Take a freaking touchback. I don't think it would have mattered anyway, honestly. I really don't think it would have mattered. Um, what a mismatch. What a physical mismatch that was. Uh, Georgia and, and Alabama are on a completely different level from everybody else in the SEC. And it's the lines of scrimmage. That's how Alabama beat Ole Miss badly yesterday. It wasn't fourth down decisions. It was line of, lines of scrimmage. Alabama was better than Ole Miss on the lines of scrimmage. That dictated everything. Georgia is just better everywhere than Arkansas, but specifically more physically dominant than Arkansas on the lines of scrimmage. And I, I don't think... The, I don't think the touchbacks would have mattered. It, it's just one team was just so much more talented and more physical than the other. It's just really that simple. Pete, I do agree with you. He said, I felt those fourth down conversions had a better chance of success had Snoop gotten the ball, wondering why he's not getting more snaps. That's that. That's my one criticism of that situation. Um, I'm fine 
with with the fourth down decisions, mathematically, it increased their chances of winning. Uh, I'll talk about that right now, actually. Why not? And uh, and I'll show you also what I'm talking about here. But when you're playing Alabama and you're Ole Miss and you are overmatched from a personnel perspective, um, you you have to do things. If you're going to win that game, you have to take risks. You are not beating Alabama by being conservative and giving them the football. You cannot beat Alabama if you're giving them the ball. I know I know what pe- well you don't give them a short field. It doesn't matter the length of the field you give them if they're going to score anyway. You cannot beat Alabama unless you're scoring. The best way for you to score is to maximize your chances on every possession to do that. If it means taking risks and going forward on fourth down, that's what you have to do if you're going to beat Alabama. Your defense clearly could not stop them, and we learned that at the opening drive of the second half when Alabama got a full field. Look at what happened. Look at what happened. Uh, If you're going to beat Alabama, you have to take risks and you have to maximize your chances of scoring on every possession. And going for it on fourth down instead of punting maximizes your chances of scoring in every possession. And this is the hindsight thing that bothers me. Everybody loves the fourth down decisions when they work. But when they don't work, it's, oh, what an idiot. He was coaching with emotion and not with his head. That's actually not true. That's not true. Here, let me show you. Um Thanks to the guys from The Athletic who, who actually put these numbers out there. Here is win probability. This is how Kiffin makes those decisions. It's not with his mind. I mean, some people just think that, oh, well, you got stopped on third down. You have to punt the football away. That's not how football works anymore. More and more coaches, especially at the NFL level, are using analytics as part of their decision making. They don't let the computers make the decisions for them, but they factor that into their decision-making. You see it in the NFL all the time. That's why more teams are going for two when down 14 instead of kicking the extra point. Look into the math on that if you want to read more about that. If you're down two touchdowns, the better move if you score is to go for two. Look up the math on that. It is true, and that's why NFL teams do it, and broadcasters are just mind-blown by it. Giving Alabama the football is not going to beat Alabama. In some games, I understand it. Not this one. When you're playing a team that you have a talent balance with, that your defense is stopping on occasion, sure, in this game, giving Alabama the football is only going to allow them to score on you from a little bit further. But here are the numbers to back that up. Let me pull these up for you. Again, thanks to the guys from The Athletic for showing this. Um This is from Bud Elliott, but he said, uh, I'll just read his whole thing. But this is essentially what I was talking about. If you guys followed me on Twitter yesterday, this is what I was talking about. And um, here it is, just like an actual math form. He said, seeing some talking heads say Lane Kiffin gave Alabama the game with the fourth downs. That could not be further from the truth. Ran all the decisions before the game uh, was out of hand through the Ben Baldwin model. All five fourth down calls increased Ole Miss's chance of winning. Clear choices, all of them, and Kiffin played to win correctly each time. Playing fourth downs correctly, as Kiffin did, increases your chances of pulling the big upset, but it also increases the chance of getting blown out. But you play to win, not lose respectably. Here are the numbers if you want to see them. Each decision, each fourth down decision that Lane Kiffin made 
in this game increased their chances of winning. It also increased their chances of getting beat by more points, but it also increased their chances of winning. And what is the goal as a coach? Is it to win or lose respectably? Spare me to lose respectably. What's the difference between losing by 28 or 17? You still lose the game. It doesn't matter. You do what you have to do to increase your chances of winning. Each decision, correct choice, go for it. Increase your chances of winning by 3%. Next one, increase your chances of winning here. Increase your chances of winning here. Increase your chances of winning here. Each one, the success rate and the win probability goes up if you go for it on fourth down. Each decision mathematically was the correct one. You play Herm Edwards to win the game. You don't play to lose respectably. Oh, but it sends a bad message to your defense. Your defense is sending a bad message to themselves by getting scored on every time they get the football. You play to win the game. Your best chances at winning the game are with your offense, not with field position in your defense because your defense is not stopping them as we saw. Don't do the hindsight thing about fourth down decision-making when you love it when it works. It has been Lane Kiffin since he's been at Ole Miss. That is what they do. You can't hate it when you lose a game. You can't love it when they win and hate it when they lose. It's part of, of what their offensive identity is. The aggression on fourth down is what, in part, makes them such a dangerous offense. Because you don't, you don't just have to stop them three times. You have to do it four. Each decision mathematically, was the correct one. It increased their chances of winning. It also increased their chances of getting beat by more. But who cares? Is his job to lose respectably or is it to win? What's the difference between the 28 and a 17-point loss? There isn't one. You still lose, and it's not close. The numbers bear it out, and if you're really thinking about it, I mean, I, I just I can't tell you the number of people. Well, punting's part of the game. It is. Doesn't have to be though. Are you beating Alabama by giving them the football, or are you beating Alabama by trying to score? Allergies are killing me. Sorry, um, but I'm fine with the decisions. You you you're successful in your aggression, and you fail in your aggression. I'd rather see that than that conservative BS that happened before Lane Kiffin got there. Kicking field goals down three scores to keep a three-score game a three-score game. You guys want that again? That's what I would say to people. You you want conservative coaching again? Because you had it, and you weren't competitive with anybody. William says, good morning, Borky. How was the wedding? It was was spectacular. Um, Great people who I love dearly, of course, and... uh, it's a really good time. Uh, downtown Raymond is really cute, by the way. That's weird saying that word, but it was a cute little downtown. Venue was great. Uh, no, it was a lot of fun. Really good people. Got to watch a lot of football, too, in our, our little groomsman suite. So it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Zach says, we all said at the beginning of the year, win-loss doesn't matter for state. It's how they looked. And while there's still a lot left to be desired, there's been consistent weekly improvement, especially on the offensive line especially on the offensive line for State. I mean, three, you know, it's three sacks against that defense I'll take. When you're throwing, what, 
he dropped back like 65 times or something in the game. If of the 65 or almost 70 times he dropped back, that defensive front got home three times, that's a win. That is a win. They've improved up front, and that's helped a ton. And Makai Polk, yes, is an absolute monster. Thank you, Transfer Portal, for that one. Uh, I was surprised, Chris says, to see AM run so well on state. They're going to do that to everybody. Uh, Spiller's a hell of a back. Uh, I mean, they won't do that to Alabama. And I don't know if they play Georgia or not, but um, no, I mean, it's it's a really good running team. Spiller's a great back. Uh, that's all they got, though. That's, uh, that's simply uh, all they got. Williams says, Mike Elko went into man looks on both of Makai Polk's touchdowns because he's an idiot. Uh, is this offense nearly unstoppable against man defense? Tom Hart and Jordan Rogers both said that Elko got impatient on those calls. Yes. Uh, if you go man, you're just asking. You're asking to lose. If you go man against Mississippi State, you're asking to lose. Um, and that's a really important thing that they pointed out because – LSU last week did not get impatient. You remember that? LSU fans were so mad because they didn't change anything about what they were doing defensively. They they didn't run blitzes. It was, we're going to send three, we're going to drop eight, and that's what we're going to do the whole freaking game and just deal with it. A&M apparently got frustrated with how State that's the thing. You cannot get frustrated. The best way to stop this offense is bringing three or four and dropping seven or eight back into coverage. That's how you That's how you have to play this. And it can get frustrating at times because they'll throw five-yard dump-offs and just move the football and move the football and move the football. But if you get frustrated and get out of that and try to send pressure and go to man, they're going to smoke you. Yep. If you go man against this team, you're an idiot. At any point, at any point, you're you're asking to lose when you do that against this offense. You're asking to lose. Greg says, uh, Ole Miss got beat on both sides in the trenches. They need more Jimmys and Joes. That's it, man. That's that's it. Uh, I expected them. They didn't play their best. It, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say, well, I always knew Alabama was going to be this much better than them. Uh, they didn't play well. I mean, the sack fumble gave them a short field. They didn't execute on fourth down. I, I don't like not going to Connor there. Uh, he needs to be used more. Um, but at the end of the day, you're right. Ole Miss has to go to a 3-2-6 look because they don't have enough defensive linemen uh, to execute anything of value in that spot. Uh, they're not good enough there physically on, on either side of the ball to compete in a game like this against Alabama. It's that simple. Uh, the roster is not ready yet. It's not ready yet to to compete in a game like this. And Nick Saban's inevitable. Um, Nick Saban's inevitable. It just always is. But they're not ready yet. They're they're just simply not ready yet. How about the mini chaos? Dark Steel says in the SEC this weekend. Yeah, let's look at that. We'll uh, we'll take a look around a, a little bit. Um, Dan Mullen. I, I mean, you thought that. That Florida was, especially after the way they played Alabama at home, that um, maybe they figured some things out. What the hell was that yesterday, right? I mean, how about Mark Stoops, though? What a job. What a, what a job that he's done at Kentucky. Unbelievable. Um, they stormed the field, too, so good luck getting the uh, the fine from the SEC. Um, 
Bo Nix was pretty good, actually. Did you see, by the way, um, I'm not going to spend too much time on this, but the empty seats in Tuscaloosa yesterday? The, the stadium, they may have sold out the game. They didn't fill up the game. You could see it on TV. And I talked to somebody that was there. It was like, yeah, there were empty seats. Like, a lot of them. I could, I could see them. And then in Baton Rouge last night, there were thousands of empty seats. Here, I'll show you a picture, actually. Um, my, guy, uh, my guy Ben Mintz tweeted about this, and somebody in their replies showed a picture of Tiger Stadium last night after a win in an SEC West game. Check this out. See, see if I can find this real quick. Um, it's taking me a little while. Here it is. Okay. Let me share this for you guys. I mean, you can see it. it you know, it's not going to be zoomed in well for you guys. But look at this. This was Tiger Stadium last night playing Auburn. I wish I could show you better. But look, I mean, you see thousands of empty seats, and it's all in the lower bowl as well. Like, they they didn't fill the place up. They, and you see the teams on the field. This isn't halftime. There's Auburn right there on the field. Like, the game is going on, and there are thousands of empty seats, thousands of them in Baton Rouge last night. Ed's done. It's done. I mean, I mean they've got many more losses on their schedule after this one. It, he's done. They're going to get the brakes beaten off of them by Alabama. It, it, he's done. It's just a matter of time. Maybe not yet, uh, but it's just a matter of time. He's done. He's done. That's crazy. Also, what the hell happened in in Columbia, Missouri? Um, Tennessee made a statement in in that game, and uh, Eli Drinkwitz is about to have his program becoming an afterthought like they always were going to be in the SEC anyway. Um, Yeah, what a weekend. What a weekend. You going to talk about Urban Meyer? No. <laughs> oh, man. No. Uh, I, I'm sure he's had an interesting last two hours or so with uh, with Shelly. That's for sure. Zach says, I'm honestly tired of punts. Feels like there's a flag 75% of the time. <sighs> you know... I understand why people were frustrated with the decisions yesterday. I do. I, I, I get it. You know, it, it giving Alabama shorter fields f- doesn't sound good. But you're not. You weren't stopping them. They were going to score. If you're if you're going to win that game, you have to score with them. Giving them the football is not a winning strategy. Maybe the score discrepancy wouldn't have been so bad. And I had somebody say, you're always going to defend Kiffin. No, I defend this decision. If Mike Leach did this, I would defend it hard today, too. You play to win games. You play to win games. That's what you do. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm just not going to do the hindsight thing with you guys today. Patrick said, I'm starting to think Snoop and JRP should have went to Southern Miss. Um, I, I don't understand Snoop Connor's usage. You, you know, maybe next year when Ely's gone, but I, I think he's proven that he should get more carries than what he's gotten. But and, and people keep asking, "Where's Plumley?" This is what I tried to say this summer before I got labeled a hater or whatever, and this is what I tried to say on the radio show before somebody said that he's going to catch 800 yards worth of passes this year. You don't just snap your fingers and become an SEC wide receiver. 
Oh, but he's so fast. Every wide receiver in the SEC is fast. How many slow ones play in the SEC? Like, are you telling me Dontario Drummond is slow? Like, oh, well, you got to put Plumlee in to use his speed. Like, Drummond doesn't have speed? Like, Braylon Sanders doesn't have speed? Like, the now, unfortunately, injured Jonathan Mingo doesn't have speed? Like, Jacor Pearson doesn't have speed? Uh, you don't just become a wide receiver. It's not that simple, especially when you have good ones that are playing in front of them. I, I mean, this is what people always should have expected. This is what I... Again, I don't get everything right, but this seemed obvious to me that the guy that's played quarterback his entire life is not just going to snap his fingers and catch 800 yards worth of passes, which was said on our show. That that was never going to happen. You don't just become a wide receiver in the SEC, regardless of how fast you are. They're all fast. There's more to playing wide receiver than running. If you give him... Playing time in the slot, that means you take it away from somebody like Drummond. And who would you rather have catching passes? The guy that's been a wide receiver his entire life who's going to be playing in the NFL next year? Or your backup quarterback who was playing baseball this spring instead of working on football? This is what people always should have expected. Um, Yeah, in hindsight, he probably should have. He'd be playing right now there. But... I mean, I got that text last night. Where's Plumley? He would have made a difference. No, he would not have. Sorry, with all due respect, he would not have. You've got wide receivers on your roster who have been doing it their entire lives, who also, by the way, have speed. And none of it would have mattered yesterday. You were overmatched physically. None of it would have mattered. Paul says, my hogs would have... Or my hogs got smoked by a very impressive Georgia team. Had too many penalties, but it wouldn't have mattered. The September to remember is over. Go hogs. Hey, yeah, it's all right, man. Uh, you know, I said this going in. Um, the roster's not ready yet to win a game like this, and that's okay. Nobody should have expected it to be. I mean, fourteen games into Sam Pittman's tenure there, to go to Georgia and win a game like this. What I hope for for you and Paul, what I'm about to say about Ole Miss applies directly to to you and your Arkansas fans as well. I saw a lot of like meltdown from Ole Miss fans yesterday, and the online community is not a good gauge of real life. I know that, but the way some people reacted to that loss yesterday is is kind of crazy to me. Oh, this team sucks. This loss is on Kiffin. They suck. This and that. They were. Just so lacking in perspective. They didn't play well yesterday. I'm not. I'm not trying to say that you should be satisfied with being down 28 to nothing at the half. They didn't play well. They got humbled yesterday for sure. But I mean, some of the the oh, just overtly negative, just unbelievably stupid stuff that I saw said about this. Your program, both Ole Miss and Arkansas, are ahead of schedule. Absolutely ahead of schedule. And what happened yesterday does not at all change that fact. Doesn't change that fact at all. Ole Miss under Lane Kiffin is way ahead of schedule. Way ahead of schedule. Just because they didn't cover a spread in Tuscaloosa 14 games into Lane Kiffin's tenure does not mean that they suck, that he sucks, that Corral sucks. I mean, all the stuff that I saw, none of that is true. None of it. They're ahead of schedule. 
Still, on this Sunday morning, your program is ahead of schedule. And if you are not extremely satisfied with the product you've gotten so far since Keith Carter fired Matt Luke and hired Lane Kiffin, what do you, what do you expect? I mean, I'm, I'm honestly mind-blown by some of the stuff that I saw. You're way ahead of schedule. Way ahead of schedule. The, the roster that, that he took over had no business going into Tuscaloosa yesterday and winning. And they didn't. But they'll, they'll be ranked somewhere in the teens, maybe 20s, maybe, with a chance to beat a good Arkansas team at home to go to 4-1 and one in year two. And you think that there's something wrong? I, I don't get it. I, re- I really don't understand it. And so, Paul, if Arkansas fans are reacting the same, they're idiots too. Uh, because your program is way ahead of schedule. Ole Miss is way ahead of schedule, even after the results from yesterday. Even after. You can't just snap your fingers and compete with Alabama. You can't just snap your fingers and compete with the best team that money can buy. I mean, the best team uh, assembled in college football, talent-wise, in Georgia right now. You you can't do it. So have some perspective. People need to to have some perspective. I've actually, I need to give a lot of credit to state fans because after the LSU loss, the majority of the state fans that I heard from were like, no, man, we're, we're close. Like, it, it's, it's good. We're close. I'm not seeing as much of that today from Ole Miss people. Maybe I'm not looking in the right places. But I don't mean to tell you how to feel, but that should be your feeling today is your program's ahead of schedule. You are definitely on the right path. And if you don't feel that way, what are you doing? Honestly. Um, it's foolish to think otherwise. It is foolish to think otherwise. So chaos in college football, though. I, I am thrilled with how things are setting up right now. Obviously, obviously, Alabama and Georgia are the class of college football at the moment. Uh, I think they are heads and shoulders better than Oklahoma. And Paul, I agree with you. He says it seems like a toss-up now between Arkansas, Mississippi State, and Ole Miss. The the majority of the SEC is a toss-up. I think there's a clear shelf below Alabama and Georgia. But I think Florida and Texas A&M and Mississippi State and Ole Miss and Arkansas, who am I missing? Um, Kentucky. Kentucky might be at the top of this list, but all of those teams – I think South Carolina is a tier below. Tennessee looked really good. I got to see it again. Um, But all of those teams, I think, are all pretty damn good and can all beat each other and all have some flaws. Upside, talented players, flaws. Each one of them, they can all beat each other. They're all on a very similar plane, and I don't think they're really good. Uh, I mean, just because a team loses a game doesn't mean they're not good anymore. Uh, but I think they can all beat each other. The, the middle of the SEC is kind of fun, honestly. LSU. It's, it's all fun because they can all beat each other. Every week there's, aside from when Georgia and Alabama play, there's going to be a lot of surprises, like Kentucky beating Florida, like Mississippi State. I wasn't surprised by it, but some people were beating Texas A&M, like Arkansas beating Texas A&M, like Auburn beating LSU. This is going to be every week, and it's actually really exciting and fun. And I think all those teams are good, solid football teams. Um, but the setup that we've got going right now, I think, is awesome. Um, and I, Oklahoma, to me, is fool's gold. Uh, Oregon got beat yesterday. How about that? So the Pac-12 is going to be left out of the playoff. 
Um, Pac-12 is going to be left out of the playoff. No doubt. Um, Iowa looked really good. I mean, turned Maryland over on Friday night a billion times, but uh, there's still so much chaos right now with Georgia and Alabama being at the top, but I love what Cincinnati presents. I mean, here's Cincinnati's remaining schedule for what it's worth to you. So they have wins at Indiana and at Notre Dame. Their remaining schedule is Temple, UCF at home, at Navy, at Tulane, Tulsa at home, at USF, SMU at home, at ECU. They will be favored in every game remaining on their schedule. And they're the better team than every team remaining on their schedule. They have two Power 5 wins. You, you Are you going to leave that out of the playoff? I mean, maybe you do, but you shouldn't. Here's BYU's remaining schedule. Remember, they have three Power 5 wins already. They have Boise State coming up this weekend. That's on ABC. That'll be a fun game. They go to Baylor, who's good, by the way. Go to Washington State, host Virginia, host Idaho State, go to Georgia Southern, and go to Southern Cal. I don't expect them to win all of those games, but if they do, you're going to leave that schedule out of the college football playoff? No shot. It's just one of those two teams goes undefeated. Chaos, baby. Alabama and Georgia are both going to make it. They're both going to end the season undefeated, and doesn't the SEC championship won't matter. Clemson's out of it. Ohio State's got one loss to Oregon already. They have, may have another one coming. Penn State and Iowa will work themselves out, but we've got chaos coming. we got chaos coming. I love it. I was pumped to see Cincinnati win. And shout out to their fans, by the way. They traveled to South Bend yesterday. Patrick's asking, did that game affect recruiting last night for Ole Miss? I know uh, Jaheim Otis was there last night. One individual game does not affect recruiting. I had somebody ask me if that game meant anything for Arch Manning's recruiting. Also, no. Um, It's never about one game. Ever. And if it is, that player was never going to your school anyway. Like, if Otis doesn't go to Ole Miss and it's like, oh, I saw them get beat by Alabama, he was never going to Ole Miss anyway. If yesterday impacts Arch Manning's recruiting, he was never going to Ole Miss anyway. One game never does anything, really, uh, to a kid that you actually have a shot with. It won't affect anything, unless he was never going there in the first place. And yeah, Brett, how about those Commodores? How about those Commodores? Um, God bless him. God, God bless Vanderbilt. But anyway. Whew, big weekend. Big, big, big weekend. Um, if there's anything else you guys got, uh, I would love to uh, see it. If not, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and hang it up. But didn't dive too much like into the actual course of the game stuff with Ole Miss other than, you know, where Corral stands. And they, they just got, they got physically, they, they were physically overmatched in this game. Completely physically overmatched in this game. But the fourth down decisions were the right one. If you're, Coaching to win the game, mathematically and otherwise, they were the right decisions. You play to win the game, not play to lose, respectively. Um, For State, uh, just a really solid win, just a good win. You go to College Station and you beat a a team that's talented, it's always good. That's your formula. Defense, clean football, efficient offense. That's how you're going to win games this year. It's a good morning. It's a really good morning uh, for, uh, for State. And hell yeah, I got the Saints winning. Yes, sir. I mean, well... Thank God it's the Giants, but the first game back in the Dome after a hurricane. You think the Saints are going to lose that game? No shot. Uh, I'll be out at the Sanderson today, too. Uh, We'll be watching the Saints on one of the screens that got set up next to the 18th. But, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, they're going to win. They'll cover that seven, too, easily. Um, what if BYU and Cincinnati are both unbeaten? Who gets in the playoff? That's a good question. Um, BYU's resume is better um, or would be better in this scenario. They'd have more Power 5 wins. But Cincinnati's currently ranked higher. Here's the thing, William. I, You know, I, I kind of mock some group of five stories like Coastal Carolina, like, honestly. They're, they wouldn't be, even if they go undefeated, they wouldn't be one of the four best teams in America. They wouldn't be. And honestly, I don't think BYU and Cincinnati would be either. But if you don't make the championship playoff after winning all of your games, what the hell's the point? You know, what, what are we doing? If, if BYU or Cincinnati run the table and go undefeated, and they don't make the playoff, the system is flawed. I get leaving Cincinnati off last year because they did not play a Power 5 game, but they've got two Power 5 road wins now. One of them is Notre Dame. They went to Notre Dame and handled Notre Dame yesterday. If they don't get in, the system is just deeply flawed and needs to change immediately. That would be incredibly stupid. A team, they win all of their games on their schedule, including at Notre Dame and at Indiana. And if they get left off the playoff, what a waste of time. What a complete waste of time. Brett came in late. What are your thoughts on the Ole Miss-Arkansas game? I'll, I'll look more into it this week, of course. Uh, you know, I'll be back tomorrow morning at 8 with uh, with you guys again. But... I expect a lot of fireworks, <laughs> a, a lot different scoring output from both of these teams in this one, as opposed to uh, what we saw this weekend. But yeah, I, I, a high scoring football game. I think we're going to see to uh, Saturday morning. Um, two teams that are probably pretty pissed off right now too. And uh, yeah, I expect a lot of fireworks, really close game, a lot of scoring in, in this one for sure. But um, Ole Miss, I think is a touchdown favorite. Sounds about right. At home, more explosive offense. It's not Alabama. <laughs> Nick Saban's inevitable, guys. Uh, just ever doubting him. It's just a waste of time. Just a big, big, big waste of time. But anyway, thank you guys for tuning in. Had uh, had some fun. Yeah, Cincinnati's Indiana State champions. Uh, had some fun with you guys this morning. Uh, every one of these from here on out for the rest of uh, the rest of the season will be on Saturday night. But I appreciate you guys getting up early and uh, being a part of this this morning. I uh, had some fun with you. Big weekend upcoming, of course. But uh, in the meantime, don't forget to subscribe on YouTube and like the video also while you're here. If you don't mind, actually physically like the video. And I'll be back with you guys tomorrow morning at, uh, at 8 o'clock. So you all have a great Sunday. I'm going to go watch some golf. And uh, I'll see you all then. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.